Hello, and welcome to Rocket Accelerated Geek Conversation. This episode is brought to you by Squarespace, Pingdom, and the Ethical Algorithm. Ooh, I'm Samantha Rochefort, a senior video producer at Polygon.com, and I'm here today with Christina Warren, senior cloud advocate at Microsoft, and Brianna Wu, Democratic candidate for Congress, Massachusetts, and non-subscriber to YouTube Premium. I do subscribe. I just couldn't get past my TFA. It's true. The TFA is always the, they'll get you. Right. Yeah. So my trick with that is I, I put, um, I use 1Password and it has a, like a built-in TFA thing with it. So, oh, really? Yeah. Good to know. Or I could just ask my finance director not to take the call time phone with him. That would also work. <laughs> that would also be a good thing. Yeah. All right, we have an exciting, sorry, Brie, context for you listeners out there. Brie is trying to watch YouTube videos, to enjoy YouTube videos without seeing Bloomberg's presidential ads. It's a big challenge. When It's hard. Yes. And as we discussed, the only way to do that is to pay money <laughs> to YouTube <laughs> for YouTube premium so you don't have to see ads. I've never gotten his ads. What am I doing wrong? I, I guess you're not the Bloomberg demographic like mm. I am, apparently. Uh, wow. Uh, yeah. Wow. That is, that is, that's harsh, but fair, actually. <laughs> you know what the ad that I keep getting is, though? Um, it's the Fenty ad. Do you know which one I'm talking about? The Savage Fenty ad? No, because no, I, I don't I don't see YouTube ads ever. Oh, well, get out of here. Okay, it's Savage Fenty is Rihanna's uh, underwear yeah. and bra line, of course, yeah, as you yeah, know. Yeah. It's this ad that starts that. off with a, a beautiful, blonde, busty woman um, saying the Savage Fenty collection's selection is cut to a close-up of her cleavage in a bra <laughs> as she says, huge. <laughs> Oh my god. And I, god, I love it. It's so it's done so purposefully and I can't I can't blame them. I can't fault them. They've done this and then of course that's about when the skip this ad button will pop up after you have huge cleavage in your face. Um and that's how I watch my Danny Gonzalez and Drew Gooden videos. Um <laughs> well, let's get right into it cuz we've got some uh, meaty topics this week. As you must all know by now, there's big news over at Google and Alphabet. So Larry Page and Sergey Brin are leaving or giving up control of Alphabet. They're handing the reins over to Sundar Pichai, who is already CEO of Google. He will be CEO of Alphabet as well. Alphabet uh, was launched in 2015. I believe we did cover that on this show. So congrats to us. We've been around that long. Um. This is probably less like less turbulent for Google than some other things that have been happening this year. Pichai has Ooh. been the CEO and shepherded Google through some very turbulent years these last few years that have seen both an increase in value for the company, but also have seen the country, the company, like every other large tech company, be scrutinized more and more harshly. Um, that will trajectory is set to continue. Uh, We don't know yet what Paige and Bryn are going to be doing post-leaving Alphabet. Neither of them have said anything other than that they'll continue to be in consultation with Pichai um, as he continues to run their company. Um, Notable fact for me, Paige and Bryn are both in their mid-40s, and they are 100 billionaires. Mm -hmm. So the things that, when you wonder how they're going to fill their time, 
They yeah. can do literally anything they want. They literally, they're, no. You you can't imagine what they will do with their time because there are no limits to how they will spend their time now that they're not running Alphabet. Right. Um, they, they'll have lots of time to, uh, sh- like, run for uh, president. You know, well, I was going to say, uh, basically, uh, like, bury sexual harassment claims in their backyard in a really sure. shady way. They'll have lots of time for that now. Millions and millions of dollars. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I, I could make a, I could make a, a, a remark about Sergey's personal life right now, but I'm above that. So, um, well, we got <laughs> some feelings here on the pod. No, I mean, I mean, look, Sergey is actually my favorite of the two, but also Sergey is, <laughs> is super that lucky. He's the cool one. Yeah, he is the cool one. But also, Sergey is super, super lucky that his whole mistress thing happened before Me Too because otherwise, I don't think Sergey would still be uh, able to be um, even, like, in the non-executive position at, at Alphabet. I agree with that assessment. I like, do there's agree no way with he, what you there, just there's, said. There's no yeah. way. There's no yeah. way that he would still be allowed to, to like, he that happened at the right time where everybody is just like, eh, it's cool, whatever. Um, even though it was, like, Kind of not cool, uh, especially for his wife. But um, also, his his uh, former sister in law is the CEO of YouTube. That's got to be awkward. But yep. that's a whole other thing. Uh, enough of all that. But no, I mean, I think uh, look for. I think individuals. I don't necessarily think that for the products, this will have a massive change. There were some um, Google employees that I know who said on Twitter that this seemed, you know, like it's probably, you know, like everything will kind of stay the same. But I still think it's notable because. Even after, so I mean, like they were, I guess they were co-CEOs, maybe Larry was CEO, and then um, Eric Schmidt was brought in early in Google's life to be like the adult in room in the room and to be CEO. And then when they formed Alphabet, um, uh, Larry became CEO, or maybe it was before they formed Alphabet, but Larry became CEO. Sergey was still kind of in a, a leadership position, um, uh, uh, and um, um, Eric Schmidt went to become uh, chairman of the board. Um, Eric Schmidt is no longer on the board of directors. He's basically completely gone from the company. Um, Larry and Sergey will still be on the board, but they now have no management roles and and no kind of overseeing things. And at, at various points, even you know when they kind of stepped away, I guess when Alphabet was formed, you know um, I believe Larry was kind of in, in in charge of some some of the moonshot things, and um, and and, and Sergey you know was kind of doing some of that stuff too. Now, I mean. It, a lot of people have kind of compared it that I've seen online have compared it to when Bill Gates left Microsoft. And that's probably pretty apt because Bill Gates still um, has a presence at the company. Um, he's on the board. He owns a tremendous amount of stock and he does meetings, you know, with with Satya, uh, the, the current CEO. Uh, but he's not involved in, you know, in kind of in a direct way in like day to day, you know, decisions. He's often called in, I think, for like, you know, kind of a gut checks and and we'll do technical reviews. But he focuses on his foundation. Um, and and I, I guess that's what will happen here. But I, I still think it's notable just because whether they've been actively involved in the company or not, now they aren't. Like in any official way, they're they're not responsible for any of the day-to-day stuff that happens there, which is... Has something like this ever happened before in a, in a tech company where the, the founders leave while the company is essentially healthy and just totally handed yeah, Microsoft. over? Oh, God. Oh, duh, Microsoft, yeah. you just literally just said. Yeah. yeah. I guess, I mean, what I think is is interesting to me is if you said, Brianna, you could have any position at anything related to Google. I think 
kind of being over at Alphabet overseeing the big bets they're making. Um, you know, Alphabet, they are kind of outside, like the search engine business of Google funds all these other cool things that Google does. And like, um, you know, if I were over there, I would want to go find the most fantastic things like decarbonization technology and make like a billion dollar bet on that. You know, I'd be funding like, you know, a Beyond Meat competitor. It just seems like the mm-hmm. funnest job and very appropriate for someone that's kind of stepping uh, more away from the limelight. Um, you know, Christina, as we were prepping the show, you were talking about uh, Dana kind of saying like, this is not a big surprise. But at, at the same time, it it's and this gets to what you were saying, Simone. Every like Google's financially okay right now, but they have some very serious issues going on at Google as a company. Mm-hmm. Uh, Christina, you linked to a fantastic article that mm-hmm. I read twice talking about the last so three years at Google. It's freaking amazing. We'll link to it in the show notes, and basically, it's talking about what has happened at Google ever since Trump is elected. It kind of paints this picture of a a rally supporting um you know supporting immigrants uh back when Trump was trying to do the Muslim ban 10 days in. And you had Google CEO standing up there saying, "We stand with them." Yes, yeah, Ser- yeah. Ser- Sergey showed up. Like Sergey actually mm-hmm. went to like the airport. Correct. Yeah. Right, saying I am an immigrant. I'm here in a personal capacity. Um but also, you know, Google officially like taking some steps forward at the same time it fracturing behind the scenes with people kind of not knowing which way to go because the truth is like google can have a culture that's very much about bring your whole self to work but the reality is google makes a lot of money uh by government contracts all mm-hmm. around the world and has increasingly had to expand into other markets, making uh, ethical compromises along the way. Shout out to Apple uh, and <laughs> labeling Apple, uh, labeling Crimea a part of Russia. Just just shout out to them right now. Um, so, you know, they've had labor disputes. Uh, Liz Fong Jones, my friend, was listed in yep. there. Um, you know, she had a lot of her internal things released by Googlers to extreme yep. right-wing sites and was targeted. Uh, I personally, this is my opinion, I believe that some of the stories that have come out recently of people being retaliated against for trying to unionize Google and to bring to light workplace abuses, I do believe that they have been um, basically uh, have been targeted because of that and have yes. been uh, punished at work. I find that very credible. So I Google, do too. Is, Google is really in the middle of a big mess right now. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, I agree, which is why I think that the timing of this is interesting. And and Liz, who who I know as well and 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 love, you know, she commented that she was like, "This isn't this makes sense now because they've seemed checked out uh, for for a while," which I would agree with, right? They they yeah. have seemed uh, checked out, and and I think that it's definitely one of those things where, um, you know, uh, I, I don't begrudge anybody for obviously like not wanting to be around when you know Ish is hitting the fan and when they've been going through kind of this tumultuous period. I I, I get it. Uh, at the same time, I certainly do feel like, um, you know, I, while it might not affect day-to-day um, for the employees and whatnot, I don't know if that's necessarily a good thing. I, I can't really speak to that. Um, it, it certainly seems like this is – to me, I would say this might be slightly different than when when Bill Gates stepped down as CEO of Microsoft because when he did that, 
the company was there was the the, the giant you know Department of Justice yeah. antitrust uh, case, which was a big deal and really had a, a significant impact on the company. I'm not going to discount that, but from like a, a but that was not that didn't really seem to be why he was stepping away. And it, the the company certainly wasn't going through the sort of like internal cultural tumult that, that Google is mm-hmm. right now, which I think is is really interesting. I don't know. It, it'll be interesting, I think, to see you know. To me, it kind of I, I, well, the one thing it does kind of raise for me as a question is why does if if um, uh, Sundar is going to be the CEO of both Google and Alphabet, why does Alphabet exist? Like, why right. did they make that holding company? Right? Like, right. what's the point of that? Like, that to me becomes less clear. Like, it never really made sense to me, but you could understand when they were trying to kind of maybe separate, okay, Google is different from all this other stuff. But now if you've got the same person in charge of both Google and the broader alphabet, and then you had these subdivisions, I guess I don't see the point in in still having like that like level of breakdown. I It does still make sense to me from a branding perspective because they are, one, one thing is far more experimental than the other. And it makes sense to not dilute the Google brand by bringing in these long shots and these experiments that maybe someday could come over to that, that other more established side of it. But to me, to me, each brand has its own very clear um, use case is not the right word, but uh goal, I guess. Yeah, I guess. I, I think it's a lot simpler. I think it's a tax move. I think um, if you've got venture capital, it invariably uh, means making bad bets and writing them off. And I think they just functionally don't want to risk Google if a bunch mm. of things go south. That uh, actually that's makes a lot of sense. That's always my belief there. In terms of like their day-to-day involvement with the company, that's partially, I mean, that is period why I feel like this feels like it won't make such a, a big difference on the ground because they have been super checked out and also I mean, in theory in theory and a lot of I mean what we've seen of the tumult of the company has been a because of the election but also because of the Andy Rubin settlement and something things like that which uh, they were very involved in so I I feel like there's the the bad blood between the employees and them is like maybe this i'm i'm an idiot tonight first of all i'm trying to drink coffee to wake up but um <laughs> i'm not making sense anyway i i think that it is maybe quite an opportune time yeah i mean i definitely agree with that um my guess would be that when you're that rich and that powerful they're surrounded by so many yes men that they just don't even hear it or are affected by it that would be my guess uh maybe that's cynical of me no i don't think that's cynical of you i i would say i don't necessarily i guess i maybe have a, a even more cynical point of view which is that obviously they were involved in some of these things that are unpleasant but based on you know the the wired article that that Bree mentioned earlier which is just fantastic um I got the sense, and, and I've, I've I've kind of had the same thing based on conversations I've had with people who work there, that at least sentiment towards Larry and Sergey, Sergey especially, I think, has always been largely positive, whereas Sundar maybe not as much. And and definitely, I think, over the years, they've, you know, abdicated more responsibility um, to him, and he's had to take the fall for more things. But 
I wouldn't put it in a way, I guess, if I'm, if what you're saying is, okay, maybe they haven't, they, they've overseen some things that weren't great. That's absolutely true. But it's not as if the person who's now in control wasn't also overseen and responsible for those things too, if that makes any sense. Yeah. Right? Yeah. That's very like, true. Like, like, you know, so it's not as if you're, it, it's not like a net win. To me, I think that the, what always is the risk when you have this happen, whether regardless of how good the company is doing is that, you know, okay, they're going to be, you know, involved as, as shareholders and they still control most of the stock and they have, you know, voting rights and they're going to be, you know, on the board and, and all of that. And I'm sure that if they have, you know, that their opinions will be considered and stuff. But I guess you wonder about like from a, a culture, like a more deeply ingrained cultural perspective, like what does it mean when, when these people are no longer in the building in an official standpoint. And maybe it's already happened, but like what mm-hmm. what does that do when the, when it's really no longer the case? You know, when it's yeah. like an officially done thing. I think that's that is the the thing that I guess would be interesting to kind of look at. We'll have to kind of look years into the future, I guess, until we see the impact on that to see if there has mm-hmm. been an impact on like what types of products and services are put out and and um and the philosophy around those things. Well something like this with a, a- a company as large as Google, how far in advance is a decision like this made and how far in advance do they start planning for this exit? I don't know. I mean, it it could vary, right? I mean, in some cases it could be months, maybe even like years in advance. And I'm sure, you know, most places have contingency plans in case, you know, an executive, you know, uh, dies or something happens. But in some cases, I mean, I'm certainly not implying that's the case here because A, I don't think so. And B, I've no knowledge one way or another, um, decisions can be very sudden. You can have people who say, okay, well, we're, we're going to, you know, uh, I'm going to step down in two years and then something happens. We're millionaires, and it's like, billionaires. <laughs> we're going to do what we want. Right, right, totally. I mean, in some cases, it's just like you're like, all right, I'm done, Peace. you know, so I don't know. I have a feeling this has probably been building for a while, but I have no clue. I To me, this strikes me as very similar to Johnny Ive, right? Uh, we're not yeah. covering it this week, but Johnny Ive was officially removed from uh, Apple's website a couple of days ago. And, you know, this was telegraphed. Hardcore Apple people saw him leaving. You know, Apple made the steps of saying, oh, he's going to be involved in future projects. He'll be consulted. You know, everybody saves face. And that was a very telegraphed, slow move out. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think in this particular case, they've been moving towards the door for a really, really long time, being less and less involved, uh, certainly not speaking as much publicly. So I, I feel like it's a very similar situation. It's been telegraphed. Well, this episode of Rocket is brought to you by Squarespace. Makes Make your next move with Squarespace. Squarespace lets you easily create a website for your next idea with a unique domain, award-winning templates, and more. Whether you want to create an online store or a portfolio or a blog, Squarespace is an all-in-one platform that lets you do all of those things. There's nothing to install, no patches to worry about, no upgrades and needed. You don't have to worry about it. Squarespace has it covered. They also have award-winning 24-7 customer support if you need any help. And they let you quickly and easily grab a unique domain name. And all of those award-winning templates are beautifully designed for you to show off your great ideas. Hey, Squarespace websites are super fun to build and mess around with. And so you can just go build one. They'll let you just build a whole website. But then you have to, like, buy it. So you have this beautiful thing that you've built, and then you have to buy it. And you should. Their plan started just $12 a month, but you can start a trial with no credit card required by going to squarespace.com slash rocket. 
Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Build that whole website. And then when you decide to sign up, you see how beautiful your website could look. Potential. Oh, my God. Use the offer code ROCKET to get 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain and to show your support for ROCKET. So once again, that is squarespace.com slash rocket and the code rocket to get 10% off your first purchase. Thank you so much, Squarespace, for your support of this show and all of Relay FM, which I just got my five-year anniversary pin in the mail. Is it five or is it ten? Five? I have the pin right here. It's a cool, cool shape. Did you guys get the pin? No, No, I don't know what you're talking about. Wow. Well, you know what? I got a pin in the mail. <laughs> nice. Mike and Steven sent me a pin, and I bet oh! they sent you guys, too, a pin. Where's my damn pin, Mike I know. And I was going to say, oh, I did my, I spill I the pin. beans? Did I spill <sighs> the beans? Well, guess who else is spilling the beans? <laughs> it's Samick T- Chatterjee. Hey, uh, rumors, rumors from J.P. Morgan analyst Samick Chatterjee. Um, he says, guess what he says? Oh my god, he's saying Apple's gonna release four new iPhones in the fall. And guess what those phones have? 5G. 5G and OLED displays. My god, he is saying, he is saying that we're gonna see a 5.4 inch iPhone, two 6.1 inch iPhones, and one 6.7 inch iPhone. And he's saying, get this folks, he's saying, the 6.1, one of the 6.1s and the 6.7 inch are going to be high-end devices. But then there's another mm-hmm. 6.1 inch and the 5.4 inch are going to be low-end devices. That's what he's saying. Okay. I, I found that that impression very offensive, Simone. To me <laughs> and my people, that was too far. It's a culture. It's not a costume. I just want to say You that. mean Mickey Mouse? <laughs> <laughs> doing southern that was like half I colonel could, well, sanders well it, 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 it was it was it was mickey mouse it was southern and then it was also like a you know like 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 1920s like you know news reporter thing like it reminded me it reminded me of like a jennifer jason lee and the hudsucker proxy like i guess that was 40s but still i yeah, love so. to mix i loved the mixture of highbrow and lowbrow culture of high <laughs> that is tech you. devices and deep history um <laughs> voices. So, so 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 the the southern part that would be highbrow culture or yes, lowbrow culture. Yes. That's highbrow culture okay. obviously. Just wanted to make Brianna. sure. Okay, thank you. Thank <laughs> okay. you. Okay. So, okay. The <laughs> other half of this is the whole Intel and Qualcomm situation with Apple. Yeah. And then the other half of this, with the third half is um the uh, lawsuit, which we're also going to talk about, but I feel like the chip situation has more relevance to this specific topic of the yeah. iPhones. And there's yeah, really so- no good place to slot it in. But hey, guess what? Intel sold to Apple <laughs> for a billion dollars, which is a billion dollars of loss. Ouch. Mm-hmm. Um, and this comes... Yeah, they sold their modem business, to be clear. Yes, yeah. they sold their modem business, rather. And this comes as... Uh, Qualcomm did lose their the trial with the F- FTC about uh, their their antitrust trial with the FTC. Mm-hmm. Um, but Intel is saying Qualcomm has made it impossible for us to stay in this modem business um, because a- after Apple said they were going to use Qualcomm chips in the future phones, but now Apple owns Intel's modem business. So yep, yeah, yeah. I, mean, I mean, basically, you know, 
like it to me, I mean, Intel kind of reaffirmed why the court ruled the way that it did mm-hmm. um, and because, you know, and they were able to kind of show, hey, we had real financial uh, damages from this because Qualcomm's monopoly, which, you know, the FTC, you know, ruled was was a thing, meant that if we lost one of our biggest, you know, customers that we wouldn't be able to be in business. And so the net effect of that was they had to get rid of the business. Um, yep. And and they did. And, Apple. I mean, I mean, and, and look, from Apple's standpoint, that makes complete sense, right? Like, buy the supplier, especially if you can get it on the cheap. Um, it also makes sense, I think, from Apple to, like, if, if Qualcomm or somebody's going to give you a better deal or is going to put certain provisions on saying, oh, you've got to use this, like, you know, Qualcomm is, is responsible for a lot of things. So uh, you do it. But that's, that's – it's interesting um, – I think in, in terms of like the, the 5G rumors, that seems completely believable to me. And I think that just like Apple, you know, some will say, oh, but they were late with LTE. No, I think they were completely at the right time. And hopefully the same will be true with 5G too, right? By the time there are 5G iPhones, you might actually be able to use 5G. And when I say 5G, <laughs> I don't mean what T-Mobile is calling 5G, which yeah. is like, <laughs> gonna, I mean, it technically is actually 5G, but it's not at the, um, it, in, in the locations and at the speeds that uh, you're going to need. Because the issue with 5G, and we've talked before, we want to have like a more in-depth discussion about this on the show in the future, is that it can, you know, you need certain lines of sight and it's, um, you know, these, these millimeter waves it has to be very specific areas. But when you are in those spaces, it can be phenomenal. I mean, I think the biggest place where it would really be beneficial would be at like, like Disney World needs to have 5G. Oh, yeah. You know what oh, I mean? Yeah. Like that yeah. would be amazing having it, you know, at, at stadiums, having it in other types of places where you could really get the benefits. Um, but <laughs> so hopefully- it could be at the most amazing sports game and then get really great YouTube at the same time. <laughs> no, <laughs> exactly. What Bloomberg has. You could also be able to upload, right. <laughs> you want to upload that content, you know, you want to upload those videos and, and, and photos and send text messages. Fair. I mean, I mean, like, look, like last yeah. time I was at like a, 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 a sports game, like, you know, the, and it was, I, Ironically, I mean, it was like, you know, uh, CenturyLink. So it's like named after, a, a you know, a, 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 an ISP. You know, I couldn't send any text because the signal was so flooded. So yeah. um, I don't know. I, I think uh, that I, I totally believe that they will have 5G next year and that'll be the right time. That's absolutely wild. So, um, you know, I want to we, – we were actually very lucky on Rocket when Motorola was bringing out 5G. They actually came on our show, and mm-hmm. I had a fantastic discussion with them about this technology. Yeah. And I'm not, I'm not negative on 5G in the long term. I do think more than any other cellular upgrade since we kind of started doing this – I think that this is going to require a lot more infrastructure yes. to work correctly than most people realize. This isn't just a, a fancier modem. This isn't just, you know, like a, a upgrading right. the communication protocol. We're talking about line of sight on towers. We're talking about a huge expansion of the number of towers, yeah. which means there's like, uh, you know, spectrum considerations. There's leasing tower considerations. And this, frankly, is why Trump is out there asking Tim Apple to help him do 5G, even though Apple has nothing to do with right. cellular infrastructure. They, they have nothing to do with it. I mean, well, the, the irony, the irony too, is that you know the 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 government is you know putting these sanctions on on Huawei and ZTE, and even saying to to local uh, you know uh, municipalities and local governments saying you have to get rid of that 
those routers and those technologies. And look, maybe there is a valid, um, you know, security reason for that. Maybe there's not. I actually don't know. I, I tend to, to, at this point, I think that this is mostly a trade, you know, a negotiation than actually about, you know, protecting anyone. But that, because they've been like the primary, you know, like providers for this stuff, that actually has an impact too, right? Which is what happens yeah. when when one of your major infrastructure providers is now blacklisted. Right. Um, uh, how, 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 does that impact how you're able to roll this out? Because you're right. This is not like when we went from 3G to LTE, that was a big jump. But from an infrastructure standpoint, although you had to do upgrades on towers, it wasn't as if um, some, some of the companies and some of the wireless carriers were better attuned than others. But they had to make changes. But it wasn't quite the level of what you will hear. Here, I think it would be much more akin to like when we went from like 2G um, to 3G. And and that required a massive infrastructure um, investment that, you know, took, uh, you know, five or six years. And and um, it, we're starting to see certain cities and certain pockets of areas are, are getting 5G. But as you said, mm-hmm. and as you, your conversation with Motorola, we'd had, you know, kind of pointed out, like, the potential is vast, but it's not going to be one of those things where, oh, I have 5G and now all of a sudden I don't have to have internet at home. Like, that's just, it's not going to happen. And that 5G access has been part of the rumors, too, in that one of the kind of assumptions or rumors is that the lower end phones may may have um, access to a different kind of 5G that is not as powerful. That's interesting. And I could see that. Now, what do you guys think about having the two tiers, um, like having two models per tier? I kind of like that. So right now we have kind of like the the the, the two, the, the big and the small on the high end, on the pro, but then you just have the iPhone um, um, 11. Um, yeah. I kind of like the idea of having like maybe an ele- maybe a 12 SC, a 12, and then a 12 Pro and a 12 Pro Max. I still think Pro Max is a terrible name, but <laughs> uh, moving past that, like I, I'm, I'm kind of into that. What do you think about segmenting um, the, like having four phones, having both, you know, big and small in both tiers. I am a hundred percent for it. Um, I mean, what do you think, Simone? I think it's still too many phones, but I do like, as you said, the idea that you can have norm, fancy, normal, large, normal. Whoa, sorry. Fancy, normal, (laughs) fancy, large. um, And, affordable normal and affordable large like that that makes sense to me because i i feel like people shouldn't if people love large phones that those components don't necessarily have to be more expensive or more quality right. it's just bigger or on the contrary right now if you want a smaller phone you don't really have an option like you ha- you could get like an iphone 11 pro mm-hmm. um, which is going to be a smaller form factor than an iphone 11 uh, right, but that's more expensive. Yeah, so, right. yeah. so now you kind of have it's, it's really in in some ways it's kind of the inverse, where it's like saying, okay, you like a smaller phone, but you don't want to pay more for it. Can we make the assumption that the large phone purchasers, the fancy phone purchasers, simply do not want a small phone because they want to show off their extremely fancy phone, and the only way to do that is by showing off how big it is? I <gasps> I completely reject that. No. Um you I mean, want a yeah, 5.4 Simone, inch fancy iPhone? I I think I think that 
maybe it's an age thing, Simone, but for me, I I still associate smaller gadgets with higher prices and more luxury. Uh, you know, that mm. was very much the cell phone era that I lived through. Yeah. I think it's really about what you're comfortable with. Uh, Christine, I haven't thanked you for this on the show. Thank you for talking me into getting the, the Max. Mm-hmm. It was a good call. I'm yep. used to the size now. It was a good call, and I appreciate the battery life. I... I I really think the iPhone is so commoditized at this point that if you're getting it to show off, you're sad. I think it's more about, like Apple's got to introduce products at different price points to make sure they can leech as much money out of suckers like me as possible. That's uh, true. And I think it's about meeting the different needs. Uh, before we move on from it, I, I did want to say one more thing about 5G. And I want to know what you think about this, Christina. I may be wrong about this, but I am not believing the 5G rumor currently. It doesn't make sense to me with what's been going on with Apple, uh, with modem, you know, like buying different modem providers. I don't think the infrastructure is there yet. Apple was not the first to race to market with LTE. And I just, I, I think, you know, the heat and the battery drain are currently so bad with 5G. I just don't see how they could have gotten this to a good point in time. It just seems like a bad bet to me. I mean, how do you feel about that? I disagree in the sense that, okay, like I think that this is probably how it's specced right now. They obviously don't have to have the engineering done, and I'm sure it isn't done. I actually think that them buying, um, you know, Intel's modem business props up the idea that they would be able to do 5G because, you know, if they own the modem and they're able to, you know, have their own vertical integration at a hardware level, similar to, you know, when they bought PA Semi and now they make their own chips, right? Like, right. I think that gives them a lot more control over buying a commoditized part in terms of what they can do with with power um, and heat dissipation. I think the big thing for me, the reason why I think this is plausible, look, I, I will give the caveat that I could see that they are working to develop 5G And if they see that it's not going to be ready or be in an appropriate state by a certain date that they pull the feature, um, I I certainly think that's possible. But I I, I feel like from an engineering perspective, they're they're doing it uh, largely because – you know, the United States isn't the only country going to 5G, and, and our infrastructure challenges are very different than the rest of the world, who doesn't yeah. have a lot of the same complications we do. And so from a competitive standpoint, unlike, you know, LTE, which again, like, I feel like they were, they were, uh, they weren't late. I think they, they were on, they were right on, on schedule. And they were really only about a year behind some of the other um, providers. And by the time they launched, like Verizon was in a lot more places and it still wasn't completely widespread, but it was happening more places and it was happening more places abroad. And I think that's the thing, that's kind of the key for me is it's like, it's not so much that, you know, Apple has to keep the Joneses as much as it is if the rest of the world is going to be adopting this and this is going to be an option, then if you have the capability to maybe have it ready to go, not having Mm -hmm. it out is, is going to be one of those things where, you would risk, I think at this point, from an upgrade standpoint, especially as upgrade cycles have gotten longer, there would be the risk of existing iPhone owners, because you're not talking about getting a new people at this point. You're basically talking about converting existing people to say, oh, well, you know, I don't, I don't, I, my phone's fine and it doesn't even support the the newest, you know, networking stuff. So I'm going to keep my old phone. Mm-hmm. Whereas yeah. if you say I'm supporting, you know, this new network standard that is only going to get, you know, better and have more support. And if, if, if you know, 
they can figure out, you know, the heat, the battery issues. That makes them much more compelling and like, okay, I'm going to go ahead and upgrade my phone. Yeah, you're right. We're not, we're not the only customer base for Apple here in America and yeah. they need to keep up with everyone else. Uh, I want to touch briefly on the other supply chain rumor uh, from the same analyst. So what he is getting from his sources in the supply chain, from his supply chain checks, are a different release schedule with two phones Q1 2021. So four phones in fall 2020, like on the regular schedule of fall phone releases. But 2021, um, first half, two new phones. Second half, two new phones. And the theory is that this would allow Apple to respond better to changes in the markets. Um, but then the anti-theory is that's too many goddamn phones. What do you guys think about that? Yeah, I don't I, like it. I don't believe I don't believe it. Yeah. I don't. It just don't is either. not an Apple move. Uh, they're yeah, unveiling the SC- of the yeah. They're the unveiling is the, the only iPhone exception. Yeah. every single year is a really big event. It's where Apple makes their money. Mm-hmm. It's what sets their earnings expectations for the entire year. As you just said, Christine, the SE, yeah, that's kind of an off phone and niche product. It doesn't completely. Sell. I was going to say, like, like the SE. I mean, it did sell really well, and it was a bigger hit than I think they anticipated, but not enough where I believe that it needs like its own cadence. I, yeah. I think you're exactly right. I think that even if you're saying high low, if you start to put things into different like tiers, mm-hmm. then you 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 split a lot of the, you know, the attention, right? And um, it just goes because- counter to everything that we've been talking about about how people are on longer upgrade cycles and don't want to 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 buy new phones and yeah, maybe even should move to a 3-year cycle because I that's not – it's got to be expensive. It would be very, very expensive, I, I feel, for them to put out that many models each year, especially after they've theoretically done four in 2020. Yeah. I mean, what I could see them doing would be – I mean, and again, I mean, I – I don't know. I don't think the model thing is that big of a deal because they they keep the designs around longer, right? So mm-hmm. part of it Just is like a light refresh, exactly, internal refresh. Like, exactly. I mean, the the part of this that seems credible, not in terms of splitting uh, the two releases, because I don't think that's going to happen. But one of the rumors is that they will all be OLED across the line. That's really good because that means you can now. Um, that's that's one part differentiator. That's not um, that that you know that. One, one less differentiator across the product line. So, you know, right now the big difference between the the 11 and the Pro models is the screen. And so they still have to kind of maintain, you know, the older, you know, LCDs um, for the the 11. Um, and, and then they have the OLEDs for, uh, for the Pro models. If they have OLEDs across the board, that means, I mean, to me that, you know, you can get, you can buy bigger panels, maybe cut them into different sizes, whatever. I'm not really sure what that process would be like, but you, your sourcing could be more consistent. And then if you're saying, okay, we have like a three or a four year design kind of period of time, maybe make slight updates. We know that we're going to go crazier on updating maybe the pro models every year, right? And maybe that mm-hmm. will get a bigger thing. Whereas the older model, the the you know, the lower cost models might look more consistent time over time. I could see them doing that just because that's what they've done before, right? Like it used to be, you know, like the S year like basically looked the same and they could reuse a lot of the same components to save, you know, costs and then just upgrade mm-hmm. the internals. But I I I don't know. I mean, um four phones is a lot, 
But if you think about it, the one area where I would say maybe it would make sense, if they dropped selling um, so many of the previous models, right? Like I think they still sell, like they sell like the 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 eight, um, I believe is is still available, right? Like I think you can still mm-hmm. buy an eight new from Apple. Like it, it would, to me, it would make more sense if you're saying, okay, like you maybe have, these four are the only four that are available. Maybe you have one older model or something like that, but uh, not going as far back as as they have been, um, you know, like year after year where they where you can still buy um, older phones. I think that might make the, the line seem smaller. But you're not wrong. Four phones is a lot. I mean, three phones is a lot, but I don't know. Yeah. Before we move off this topic, can I just give one big journalistic, yeah. like, caveat to this whole thing? So there, there are... There are levels to Apple rumor credibility, right? Like if uh, uh, you know, Mark Gernberg prints it, that's that's a high level of uh, credibility. You can believe that. Um, this uh, story we're talking about was from Mac Rumors. Can be good, can be bad, but it was from Supply Chain Rumors uh, by analysts. And the way they kind of make these predictions is by looking at the Apple operates as a monopsony and buys a lot of the components. And they're looking at Apple's uh, purchasing for various components and extrapolating what the sizes of the screen will be, what the features will be. So that's the source of this. Yeah. Um, was it, was so, it Ming Sho? Who, who, who was the analyst who was? That's as I remember. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, so, um, uh, okay, so no, so this was actually a J.P. Morgan um, analyst. So it wasn't Ming Cho. Ming Cho is oh, very reliable. Isn't he mentioned later in the piece, or am I wrong? He, about he might that? have been. It might, might have aligned uh, with some of his rumors. I don't believe he is. No. Okay, I misremember. I must have read okay, something Ming else Ming Cho is by usually really reliable. The right. one thing I would say, though, this is coming from uh, one of the largest investment banks, J.P. Morgan. Obviously, right. you're right. Journalistically, like this is this is rumor. But I would say, in terms of like when when people are like Digitime said this, that's. You can't take that for for anything. JP Morgan, I'm JP Morgan, I'm gonna be like, okay, their sources in terms of in the supply chain tend to be really accurate because it's literally their job. To, oh, absolutely. And, you know, and I didn't say I didn't find this credible. Oh, no, 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 no. I, no, said, I wasn't I wasn't my, trying to say my, that you were. But, my but statement I agree. Yeah. Here is we have journalists that really excel in this stuff. I would call this a mid-range uh rumor regarding credibility coming from people that have a pretty good track record. Not great, but I just want to note that the best journalists in predicting this stuff uh were not involved. All right. Hey, listen, folks, this episode of Rocket is brought to you by Pingdom as well. This holiday shopping season, Boxing Day and Black Friday, (gasps) well, one of them has just passed and the other is coming up. Uh, You're probably looking for some deals. Hey, I'm looking for deals. Unfortunately, they're on eBay because I can't stop buying dresses from the 1970s. (laughs) And when I'm shopping online, there's nothing worse than shopping cart fail. The one thing that is worse is when you do win a bid and then for no reason the buyer cancels it. But you know what would also make me upset is if the website suddenly became unavailable. That would suck so much. Pingdom will let you know the moment that your website goes down in whatever way is best for you. You can use transaction monitoring to get alerted when cart checkout forms and login pages fail you before they affect your customers and your business. 
You can also customize how you're alerted and who is alerted, depending on the severity of the outage. Go to pingdom.com slash RelayFM right now for a 14-day free trial with no credit card required. And then when you sign up, use the code ROCKET at checkout to get 30% off your first invoice. Thank you so much, Pingdom, for your support of this show and Relay FM. That is, again, pingdom.com slash Relay FM and the code ROCKET for 30%. Hey, I'm taking a big old sip of water. Guess what it's time for? Dessert. What's, what's it time for? Dessert. Dessert. After 84 years, Marvel, Disney Marvel, has shown a trailer for the upcoming Black Widow film, which yeah. is, I think we can say now, actually happening. <laughs> so this has been a thing for years and years. Black Widow was one of the original Avengers in 2012's The Avengers. People were like, movie about her. And they were yeah, making she, movies. she even showed up in Iron Man 2. Oh, yeah. She, gosh, she was in Iron Man 2. They're yeah, making their Iron Mans. They're making their Hulks. They're making their Thors. They're introducing new heroes. They're making their Captain Americas. They're not making their Black Widows. They're like, ah, it's so time for that. And then finally, they killed Black <laughs> Widow in Avengers Endgame. Oh. Um, and I'm very angry about that. I'm still mad about that. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's been six months, and I'm still really pissed. It's only been six months. Shut the front door. No, this podcast is over. Um, so they have. <laughs> they, I think they, they finally. They, and all along, they've kind of been doing the, the teasy thing where they're like, "Yeah, we're definitely going to make a movie about her." We don't have a script and no directors attached, but we're. Definitely making a movie about her. And then at Comic-Con this summer, they were finally like, yes, we are making a movie about her. You're going to see it. Um, and now they have finally released the first teaser trailer. And I think it actually looks pretty cool. Yeah. Um, you yeah. sound hesitant. I'm here yeah. for it. I, I'm Look, I'm going to watch the frack out of this movie. I'm excited for it. I don't want to be a buzzkill about it because I am I am genuinely excited about this. Um, I, I guess I was thinking about this today. Um, uh, Brie Larson, right? When she was doing Captain Marvel, what had she been in the news about? Uh, like singing 90s songs in a back of an SUV with <laughs> Samuel L. Jackson. Like, you know, kind of making some pro-feminist statements on on social media. What has Scarlett Johansson been in the, the news about? Being <laughs> really, a big white mess. Right. Yeah. And, and I... I don't think any of it rises to the point of going, okay, she's a villain, or I, I don't want to see this movie. It's not even close to that. It's just Hollywood obnoxious star stuff. I guess I would just admit that it it dampens my enthusiasm for this film versus what it would have been five years ago before she made these statements. And the other thing that gives me a little bit of hesitation is this seems to be like a a family reunion plot line. And out of all the stories I'd want to see about Black Widow, I'm not sure this is the one I'd want. So it all looks very good, and I'm excited. I don't want to be like a, a killjoy. Mm-hmm. I'm just, 
I guess I'm like B minus on it, if that makes sense. I told your statement that you would have been more excited for this five years ago is so yeah. spot on because it's A, true on a personal level. B, true on a Disney Marvel level. Like, well, I guess it would have just been Marvel at that point. But yeah, this should have been made five years ago. Where was no it? No joke. I mean, I'm I'm mad that, like, we've had, like, what, we had, like, three freaking Captain America movies? You know, like, how many damn movies does Thor have? Like, I'm, 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 I'm like, it's frustrating. All of basically good, all, There have been two Ant-Mans. Like, Ant-Man's, like, like he's, like, third tier, right? Like, he's, like, third tier, like, he's came way late to the party. And, you know, the one girl, and, until, you know, Captain Marvel, the one chick, and I guess, uh, uh, you know, uh, there, you know, been some, some in Thor, too, but, like, until... Um, you know, Black Panther and 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 Captain Marvel. There, she's been like it basically. Like she's been like the one kind of like OG. She's been there since Iron Man two, and the fact that it's taken them like a decade to give her her own damn movie is sort of insulting. Uh, so I'm in agreement on both points. Like I would have been more excited five years ago from like a, a being a fan of her perspective. I still, I think she's a great actress. I still will mm-hmm. watch the hell out of anything she's in. Oh, yeah. You know, I mean, I, mean, I know you're not saying, uh, you disagree. I'm just saying, like, me personally, like, I I am going to be, like, more base and be like, I should probably be more bothered by that stuff than I am, but I'm not. Um, it is kind of what it is. But I, I'm more like, why is it taking them this long? And then I'm also a little annoyed that they're doing this because of what they did with her in Endgame. Now they have to introduce her successor. Exactly, but not they have to introduce their successor, uh, successor, but they also have to make this like a you know a, an origin story sort of thing, which is weird, right? Like I don't think it's an origin story though, because it takes place in the middle of the timeline. Oh, we're okay, but you know what I mean. But it's not not origin story. But what I'm saying is, it's not continuing into oh, yes, the it's next. A, a, um flashback basically right that's that, that that's what i mean yeah. right is, is that it's like which which is you know like i don't know i feel like if she's waited this long she should be able to i don't know i i'm still bothered by the fact that like they killed her off they, like, yeah, they, yeah. they just really messed up the whole like it, it should have been uh, and we'll, we'll we'll talk about what it is we'll stop talking about what it should have been and talk about what it is but what it should have been ideally would be to come before end game and to kind of yes give us a chance exactly. to save her give that us a character chance. Right. before right. they kill her. Right. Exactly. It, it, I feel the same way. Like, if they knew they were going to go in that direction and they were going to get, you know, uh, uh, you know, kind of write her off and kill her, uh, you know, uh, get rid of Black Widow, then, yeah, we would have been able to save her this. And then, even if the first Black Widow came out and then she she dies, then when the second one comes out, because you know that there will be a sequel, they, they we would like feel better. We're like, oh, we get to enjoy some additional things. Now it just feels like mm-hmm. no matter how you look at it, you know what the ending is, and that's right. depressing. Mm-hmm. Like, well, how about this? Isn't right before she died? I've only seen Endgame once, but isn't right before she died? She says to Hawkeye, "You have a family. I'm going to sacrifice myself for you." Yes. Well, now I know she has a whole family. So <laughs> what the frack is going on? Shut up! Don't tell me that because that's actually <laughs> one of the things that I did like about this trailer. As soon as I saw that it was so in this trailer, we see Black Widow basically kind of going back to. Her roots, she meets up with her sister, who is played by Florence Pugh, who is amazing. Um, and kind of this whole, I, I don't know if it's a found family or a biological family. Um, either way, they're kind of reunited, and it's David Harbour and Rachel Weiss. And I actually really dug that brief dynamic that we saw between yeah. them. This, like, kind of makeshift 
should be retired assassin slash superhero family of weirdos. I'm a big sucker for that dynamic. So I no, me actually too. did me like too. that. No, I but I'm in total agreement. Yeah, now now it kind of like they're weirdly retconning their own thing. I mean, it just it's I don't know. It's I'm mess. still mad that they killed her off to begin with. Like, look, I get <laughs> I get getting rid of Iron Man. I get it. Robert Downey Jr. was done. He's like, I've done 15 movies or whatever the number is. I'm done. I get it. Um, but like, there was no reason that she couldn't have gone forward. I don't know. Yeah. Um. I I guess like I I absolutely want to see more women represented in the Marvel universe. I guess, like, as a big Marvel fan, there are just so many characters I think are more interesting than than Black Widow. Uh, Psylocke is a really, really, really interesting character. Like, if you go into her past. Yeah. Husk, very interesting character. I mean, White I, Queen, I, very but interesting. But that kind of goes, like, wait back to the beginning of them doing the whole Avengers in the first place. Like I was going to say a Black Widow movie because they chose to put Black Widow in the movies. That's exactly what I was going to say is like, I, I don't know any of the really the backstory and any of the comic stuff at all. And so I bet I will, I will completely trust you on that. But my feeling is, is like Black Widow is who they gave us. She's been kind of our, our, our point thing. Right. That's, that's who like, and I get kind of retiring some of the old, you know, characters and going into kind of the next wave. Fine. They didn't have to kill her, but also, like, it's taken too damn long for them to do this. Like, because you know that Mark Ruffalo would already have movies under his belt if they were legally allowed to do that. But they're not because Universal owns Hulk and and Edward Norton was Hulk anyway. Like, we know – but they would have done that. Like, it's just – it seems silly to me that, like – you know, she's been around longer than anybody and is, like, basically the last one, unless you count Jeremy Renner, which I don't. Um, <laughs> I, I just – I don't, um, like, to, to get her own movie. Yeah. I have to agree. Um, yeah. Wow. Cool. Hey. Whoa. Listen up, folks. Hey. This episode of Rocket is brought to you by The Ethical Algorithm, a book that presents cutting-edge research in the science of socially aware algorithm design, a thing that we love. Basically, a book for anyone who has an interest in the relationship between ethics and technology. My God, it's like they've listened to the show. It's kind of common knowledge that algorithms have become part of everyday life. They're working their magic when we scroll through streaming sites, social media, and more, including serving Brianna the ads for Bloomberg's presidential run. But the more complex these algorithms get, the more problematic they become, as evidenced by what I have just said. And it can pose a risk to sensitive data, which is pretty scary when you consider these algorithms have gone from mathematical abstractions to powerful mediators of everyday life. The ethical algorithm has a cool approach to the problem of unethical algorithms. It offers a set of principled solutions based on the emerging and exciting science of socially aware algorithm design. So you can get an insight into how algorithms can be ethically coded to protect people's rights while continuing to advance technology. If you need a new lunchtime read, head to wherever you usually buy books and to do a search for the ethical algorithm or just click the link in the show notes. Our thanks to the ethical algorithm for their support of this show. I'm I'm so pissed. I haven't gotten a copy of this book yet because I'm going to read the the frack out of this. Um, and now I have to bleep out right uh, after our nice ad read. I said frack. I said frack. You said pissed. Is pissed a bad oh, word? I don't think no, it is. It's not. Okay. Cool. I don't think so. No. Um. We have a, a series of ads that are coming out soon talking about like tech policy matters. Why does it matter? One of the examples 
we give is like Iran uh, putting 9,000 people at risk by hacking into a dam and threatening the entire population. Another one is like uh, sentencing. Like you have computers that um, help prosecutors figure out what is an appropriate sentencing. And one of the problems is the algorithm contains all the historical bias of how sentencing has gone about certain groups before. <laughs> and it reflects that. It's terrible. And you'd probably be pretty pissed if you were in jail because an algorithm was poorly coded. So this seems like a fantastic book. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Well, that wasn't part of the end read, but do check it out. Um, hey, Brianna, what are you doing this week? Oh, go, Christina. Sorry, I was Christina. What are you doing this week? <laughs> uh, so I'm uh, doing. I'm getting some stuff uh, squared away uh, for work before I go home for the holidays because I did not take enough vacation. Mm-hmm. this year or last year and so i was like at risk for losing 97 hours um unless i took it so <laughs> oh, no. which is like <laughs> so uh the, the the thursday uh december 12th will be my last day in the office for 2019 um and then i'll be i'll be uh flying um to atlanta a couple days later so i'm just uh kind of trying to uh, close up some projects at work before the end of the year all right brianna i have some bad news for both of you <gasps> Rocket is fat. My dog Rocket is fat. Your dog? <laughs> My dog Rocket is very fat. She what happened to her? From... You bought a house for her to run around in. What's wrong? Right. I don't know. I just, like, we picked her up the other day, and I think, like, spoiling my dog rotten, and every time, like, she yeah. looks at me if she wants food, just going, okay, you can have the rest of this hamburger rocket. I think it's bad for her. So what am I doing this week? I'm taking rocket on lots of walks, even though it's cold outside. Oh. So we won't have fat rocket anymore. Aww. <laughs> Poor fat rocket, and, and I only say this because I bet she's beautiful. But like, I, I, I genuinely her. like worry about her health. Yes. So yeah, we, she's we, just we, a we tiny want, dog. Yeah, because that's the thing. Like, we want we want Rocket to be healthy and and to uh, yeah. So <sighs> poor fat rocket. Poor fat rocket. <laughs> New episode title. Uh, hey, what am I doing this week? I am working. I'm heading out to LA next week uh, for uh, work on the uh, Quibi show that we are do piloting, uh, which I'm so excited about. And um, for the rest of this week, I'm kind of just doing the rest of my entire job, trying not to buy too many 1970s dresses on eBay. And... Mm -hmm. um, (laughs) Thinking about skiing pretty much nonstop since I went last weekend over Thanksgiving with my cousins, and I'm reminded about how incredibly good it is, and I need to go every weekend for the rest of my life. But I can't afford that because skiing costs roughly 1000 bajillion dollars to do as a hobby. Um, so <laughs> that's another thing I'm doing on eBay. <laughs> Just looking for ski boots. Uh, <laughs> Anyway, an exciting another exciting week for me. Um hey folks, do you like show? You should review it on Apple Podcasts and follow us on social media. Brianna, where can we find you online? <laughs> Brianna Wu at Twitter. Whoa, uh, Christina. 
You can find me at film underscore girl on uh, the Twitters and the Instagrams. And also, uh, we didn't get a chance to talk about it, but I want to give a shout out to uh, the uh, documentary uh, that uh, Polygon put out on uh, oh, the 25th you. anniversary so of, the, of the PlayStation. It's really yes. good. Yes, uh, Matt Leone kind of oversaw that project. He's our features editor. And then Archipel edited and produced and shot the entire thing. And it You're is fantastic. Beautiful. You want to see? Yeah, I, lo- like, I love. I loved the Archipel uh, Dreamcast one, and this was like mm-hmm. the this was every bit as good. I loved it. So we got a bunch of old Sony veterans sitting around and just talking about the PlayStation um, for the 25th anniversary. So if that sounds cool to you, go to YouTube.com/slash Polygon. How mad is Nintendo that they like so let mad. that go? <laughs> so mad. <sighs> well, thanks for listening. Review the show. <laughs> I'm Doom Quasar on Twitter. <laughs> I need to go to bed, you guys. And this episode of Rocket is terminated. We broke Simone Terminator. <laughs> terminated. Terminated.